You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Chase Cragen, who is the MHR VP of Recruiting at Utah State University in the John M. Huntsman School of Business there. Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a pleasure coming on here with you, Garrett. I think your podcasts are just fantastic, so thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much. It's great to have you on here. I know Chase has been a member of the HR Mavericks community since really in the very beginning has written a lot of really great articles for us for HR Encyclopedia. So we're super excited to have you on here. And and Chase, I think you have a unique perspective to really add to this. You've worked in HR in the past. You're currently a student at school getting two master's degrees, right? An MBA and a master's in HR and planning to leave this, you know, school setting to go back into professional HR setting soon. So um, really excited to kind of leverage your insights and experience. But before we do and jump into our topic, tell our listeners just a little bit more about your career background so far and um, more about the program that you're in there at Utah State University. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Well, so my undergraduate degree was at Utah State University. And something unique about me was that my undergraduate degree was in social work. And my plan was originally going to be a therapist and counselor for teenagers. And I did work in that field for a few years. Uh, but I decided that I, need to, I needed to go a different route. There are some aspects of that career that I absolutely loved when it came to human interaction and uh, behavior organization. And so HR is essentially the social work of business. And so I was able to translate those skills very smoothly into my HR career. And I was able to land my first HR job at JBS USA, which is a meat manufacturer, food manufacturing plant here in Hiram, Utah. And I started off as a generalist. And so I was able to reach out and work in recruiting, training, hiring, uh, employee relations. I had significant experience working with unions. And after some time working in that position, I was able to get a promotion to a leadership position uh, over the other HR reps. And so my work became much more project-based. And so I was able to get some experience working on retention uh, retention projects, some employee satisfaction projects, as well as our leadership development program. Uh, after that, I loved my job so much, I decided I wanted to pursue higher education in HR. And so I became a part of this amazing program here at Utah State, getting both my MBA and my Master's of Human Resources. And I was able to land also a job while going to school as a VP of recruiting for the Huntsman School of Business and MHR program. And, and so that's been a fantastic experience meeting students or future students from all over the country and, you know, seeing the future generation of HR has just been a privilege. And then in this coming summer, I'll be starting at Ford. Uh, and, and I just love to give back to the HR community. I think I learn as much when I write articles or participate in these podcasts, just as much as someone who's reading or watching it. Awesome. Well, thank you for the plug there and that context and background. It's, it's again, great to have you on the show today. Appreciate all your contributions to the HR Mavericks community. Um, one question, just give us your short plug 
then for anyone out there who might be listening, who's thinking about maybe going back to school for a master's in HR, what have you liked about it? And why is Utah State, that program there, the right one? I, I got to give you a, an opportunity since you're the VP of recruiting there, right? You got to got to give <laughs> yeah. you that plug. Well, let me just say this. What is the reason people go to school? They usually go to school so they can get a job or at least the higher paying job. The amazing thing about the Utah State program is they help guide you along the process to get you a job. Many companies uh, or schools simply give you your degree and say, good luck. You know, here's your title. Good luck. Utah State their first priority is to help you land a job with a reputable company. And so Utah State has a lot of connections with many Fortune 500 companies. And uh, uh, it was through Utah State that I was able to get a connection with Ford Motors. I'll be starting at this next summer. And so if you want a place that will help guide you into a very high up job at the beginning of your career, Utah State's a great option for that. Awesome. And congrats on that, that new job offer too. I'm sure that'll Thank be you. an excellent learning ground, learning in a big organization like that. So, um, well, excited to jump into this topic today. One of the first questions I really like to ask people, you kind of already answered, it's, you know, what got you into the field of HR? But kind of the second part of that is, since you kind of made that transition at the beginning of your career into the field of HR, what's really kept you in the field of HR and made you want to go back and you know, get advanced degrees and continue on that path in the field of HR? Well, let me tell you this. I believe that HR is going to become the most val- one of the most valuable uh, career choices and most valuable aspects of a company going forward. You see in the past two years, everything happening with the coronavirus, they call it the great resignation, right? Employees mm-hmm. quitting left and right, full retention, that's HR. Hiring, that's HR. Companies are desperate to know how do we get employees to work for us and how do we keep them happy and satisfied? That all falls under HR. And so right now, HR is a fantastic career choice because it's what companies need. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I can see where you're coming from with that too. I think for companies large and small, if they can do HR in the broadest sense really well, and take care of employees and improve the employee experience and balance the needs of the business and the needs of employees, that's going to continue to be a competitive advantage, even increasingly for businesses of all sizes going forward. So I, I, I think that resonates with me. Awesome. Well, Chase, let's jump into this topic today. As you and I discuss, what do we talk about on the podcast? You kind of mentioned this simple framework that you've used in the past and, and like for having more happy, productive employees. And I think that's something that, you know, every business owner, every HR person would probably want happier, more productive employees. And so I'm excited to walk through this framework with you. And so uh, you you mentioned that this framework is called the AMO framework, right? And so AMO, there's three different parts to it. The first part, A, stands for ability. And so tell us a little bit more about this framework and specifically that first ability piece of it. Yeah. And so this framework is really about how to get the most out of your employees and how to keep them happy and satisfied in a company. And I just want to say, I did not come up with this framework. This is something that kind of rose up in the nineties and has been studied since, but really it's, it's, it's basically saying that performance is a function of three parts, ability, 
motivation and opportunity. And if you leave behind any of those three parts, your employee's performance is going to suffer. And so we have the first part, which is ability. And that's essentially saying, do your employees have the training and the skills necessary to get the job done well? And when it comes to finding competent employees, there's really two ways to look at it. Do you want to hire already pre-made competent employees? Or do you want to hire leaders who are already proven? Or do you want to develop them inside of the company? Hiring from the outside is kind of the more lazy way, and it's very costly. Finding an outside leader is going to cost a lot more than developing a leader within the, within the company when you factor in recruiting, how much more their salary is. And so really, are you giving your employees the training that they need to succeed? And so one thing that I believe is in the past is Henry Ford's perspective of the manufacturing or the assembly line, where one employee does one thing very specific and does it perfectly, and that's all they do. I believe going to the future, employees need to be cross-trained in many, many different aspects of a job so that they can help out wherever they need. Uh, a great example of this is the company Honeywell, which I have a few friends working there at. Uh, one of my friends has been at the company for three or four years, and he's already changed positions three times. Mm. And, I, and I asked him, why are they changing you so much? And he said, because I asked him. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And this person works in HR. And he said, well, I was working in recruiting for a while. Then I said, I want to learn about compensation. So he told his manager, I want to know how compensation works. And the manager said, perfect, let me find something. And they found him a job in compensation. So then they transferred him so he could cross-train in that. And then they keep switching. Because Honeywell understands that in order for someone to be a future leader, they need to have that experience that cross-training experience across the board, and it's incredibly, uh, incredibly valued. Yeah, and, I think and, that's, that's a great yeah. point. And I just want to add, Chase, like, um, you know, most of our listeners obviously are probably not working at large companies like Honeywell. It's mostly small business um, folks that are wearing lots of hats. And so I think that the, what's really interesting about that example is this is especially resonates with small businesses. When you see large, well-established businesses like Honeywell trying to get people to wear multiple hats and get them cross-trained in multiple experiences like you just illustrated, that's a unique advantage that small businesses have. Essentially, those large companies have noticed that and they're trying to you know, inject that into their culture as much as possible. So those small businesses out there that are listening, I think that this naturally, you have to have people that wear multiple hats in a small business. And, and it can be a, a, a great competitive advantage for you if you leverage it and you give them the right training and, and uh, tools and ability or, or any, everything else along the way to help them get that ability, right? Absolutely. And you don't have to give them multiple halves at once because you don't want to overload an employee. You don't want to hire someone and say, hey, you're going to be doing a little bit of everything. You can silo them for a specific interval at time, maybe six months here a year there, two years there. And so over the years, they're getting this experience so that they contribute. And once they become leaders in that organization, they know how to help out the multiple employees below them that are in the different aspects. And, and the second part to this is, it's important that the companies 
provide resources for development for employees. Uh, and this can come in multiple forms. Uh, at JBS, where I worked at, we offered a free college tuition program. We realized that in the future, there may be a lack of leadership. So are we going to hire from the outside or are we going to develop the leaders from within? So we offered a program where an employee could go to college and we'd pay for their tuition. And essentially, we're streamlining this leadership process, looking down the line 5, 10, 15 years, knowing that by helping these employees get degrees, they're going to in turn help our company back out in 5 or 10 years. I love it. I think that's an excellent, excellent points and really good example. So first step in that AMO framework ability. The next, like you mentioned, is motivation. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. And so motivation is such an interesting thing. What motivates people? And there's really two schools of thought when it comes to motivation. You have your extrinsic motivation and your intrinsic motivation. The extrinsic is money, outside rewards, titles, you know, pay, anything that can come from the outside. But I want to focus more on intrinsic motivation. What really drives someone internally? First, I think you need to find employees who are passionate about their jobs because when it's some, when they show up to their jobs, they're going to be proud of it and they're going to want to do it. But secondly, a huge part of intrinsic motivation is a sense of career progression. Who, who wants to stay in a job where they know they're never going to get promoted in? Or who wants to go to a company that's dead end, right? And so you see people leaving companies for a different place. The reason they leave is because that company is offering something that your company isn't. Maybe it's money. Maybe they're offering more, more of a salary, right? Or maybe they're leaving because they're chasing a title or they're chasing an opportunity. Maybe a different company is offering a different project. And so the key is, to help employees maintain a sense of career progression. And uh, career progression is interesting because what they found out is if you can give smaller, more frequent steps in career progression, it helps maintain employee motivation. Uh, Let me give you an example. Let's say your company had only three titles of engineer, junior engineer, uh, regular engineer and senior engineer. And imagine these titles required 15 years in between them. That seems like a long path saying, wow, that's going to take 30 years to get those two titles. Right now, imagine if you had 15 different job titles for engineers and you can, uh, move up the ladder a year and a half or two years at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're going to have that sense of career progression and, and think of it like a, a, a class. When you show up to school for your first day of class, how are you feeling? Everyone's excited. They have their notes. Right. They're actually taking notes. What about three months into class? Right. People aren't as motivated. And so when you can give these people small incremental career progressions, it's going to keep them motivated because they're always going to feel like it's something fresh and they're always going to feel like it's something new. Yeah, I think those are really, really good points. And one point I want to make, too, is, you know, as we talk about career progression, there's probably listeners out there who work for, you know, small restaurants or something like that, where they're like, hey, I'm hiring hourly part time high school students. Like, 
what are we talking about with career progression? But I just want to share like a quick story. I have a, I have a neighbor actually who owns a local pizza shop who lives by me and he got his start actually as a teenage kid working in a pizza shop, a different pizza shop before kind of progressed up and really built a good relationship with the owner, eventually went to college, started working in another career. But then that owner called him back and said, Hey, I'm starting my own separate local pizza shop. I want you to come be an owner with me. And eventually his parlayed that into like his entire career. And so I, I do think that you know, sometimes we can overlook the importance of career progression, especially for jobs that are very entry level or, you know, high school level hourly employee workers at a restaurant, as an example. But there's plenty of opportunities to help someone gain more skills in advance and help them see a vision of what could happen in the future. And that that's like the perfect example to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to give another example of a huge company, but uh, it can be applied very much so with small businesses. Microsoft in the past has experimented with the idea of a soft promotion, or in essence, it's not a full-blown promotion, but it is a distinguished step, which can include a small, uh, a, a relatively small pay increase, but it's still a distinguished step to continue moving forward. For example, they have an engineer title, but they came out with a distinguished engineer. So it's not moving from engineer to senior engineer. It's engineer to distinguished engineer to senior engineer. And so if you're a restaurant and you have your servers, you know, you have your regular servers, maybe you can come up with a distinguished server so that someone can feel like they're getting promotion. Maybe you add a couple of job responsibilities. Maybe it comes with a small pay increase, but by giving those, those people that small uh, sense of career progression, they're going to regain that excitement of I'm going somewhere. I'm moving up the ladder. Uh, So in essence, if you can create smaller, more frequent steps up the company ladder, it'll help employees remain motivated. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, cool. So going back to this framework, AMO, we've talked about ability. We've talked about motivation in the last part. The O is opportunity. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah. If, if you don't give employees the opportunities to succeed, they never will. And secondly to that, how do you know who the leaders are if you've never given them a chance? Take a scenario where you're a manager over 10 employees. And let's say you know that one of them is a rock star, superstar, right? They're a proven leader. They always produce successful results. So you give this person the same, uh, the new projects every time. Because you know, if I give this person the hard projects, they're going to give me a result. So the question is, how many superstars do you have out of those 10 people? The answer is you don't know because you've only let one person prove themselves. And so if you give other people opportunities to take on those tough projects, maybe you'll find out that five out of 10 of you in that team are superstars, right? So it involves giving employees a chance to prove themselves. And, and a lot of companies kind of pigeonhole employees where this is your job, this is all you're going to do and get good at, it, right? And, and that kind of goes along with motivation. Are they going to have a sense of progression if you're not giving them new experiences? And so what, really what it comes down to is trust. Do you trust your employees, right? And if you don't trust your employees, why did you hire them in the first place, mm-hmm. right? 
So if, if you see those skills in your interview and see that they have potential, give them a chance to succeed. And more times than not, they'll prove you right. I love it. Really, really good point. So ability, motivation, opportunity. I'm a self-prescribed, you know, framework junkie. I love new frameworks to help me think through different challenges or problems. So I think this is one I'm definitely going to be using in the future. So I want to transition just a little bit, you know, in the last few minutes that we have, tell us a little bit more about what's HR's role then in improving each of these functions for the employees at the company. What, what can HR actually do? I love that you asked this question. And I think that this is especially relevant for uh, people who are just new to the HR uh, HR profession. You may notice when you get into HR that people in the business oftentimes don't see our work. Sometimes they see HR as glorified paper filers or the rules police, right? But really, if you can prove yourself using strategic HR practices, you you can become one of the most powerful parts of an organization. And so I would recommend that you take these chances. So, So for example, the ability part of this framework, right? That has to do with training and development, which falls under HR, right? So instead of seeing training as new hire orientation and then my job's not done, see what programs you can implement in the company to get the best results, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to motivation, you're dealing with job titles, hiring, promotions, that's HR as well. What can you create in the organization to give employees a sense of constant career progression? And then motivation as well. You know, uh, I apologize. Uh, what I meant to talk about is opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. Are employees in the right part are they in the right department so that they can succeed? Are they with managers who are going to give them chances to prove themselves? And so all of this has to do with personnel and HR. And once you devise, and the thing is, there's not one answer to these questions for every company. Every company is going to need to have its own strategy, right? And so tailor this framework to your company's strategy and prove your worth of how HR can transform an organization and improve employee performance. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I mean, as you're saying that, you know, that light bulb turned on for me that really this framework is a framework that helps those HR professionals elevate their own roles and the importance of HR across their organizations that they support by helping them give them ideas of ways to improve strategically so they're not just focused on the rules or the paperwork or anything else. And so for any HR professional out there who feels like they're kind of stuck in that rut of administrative HR and they want to help the organization see their value when it comes to adding you know, value to the company through strategic HR initiatives, I think that this, this framework should be able to definitely help them think through ways to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to reiterate what I said at the beginning, that's why I think HR is going to be so important going forward because this pandemic has essentially forced companies to look at HR not so much as administrative, but strategic. You know, yeah. we need HR's help to devise a strategy to keep people. So that's that's why it's going to be so important going forward. I love it. Well, Chase, this has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you joining and sharing these insights and experiences with us. 
Um, last question I like to ask you know, everyone, it's, it's not necessarily related to our topic, but you know that our, our HR Mavericks community is really focused on democratizing HR knowledge. So what's one thing, one tip that you think our listeners should do this week to improve their HR or people functions? Absolutely. Find out what keeps your manager awake at night and then try to solve that problem. Right. And so managers have a lot they're dealing with, have a lot of stress. If you can find out what is bothering them, what what is it about, you know, the organization that they can't figure out and take that on as your assignment, you will prove your worth not only individually, but you will prove why HR can be so strategic. Love it. Excellent tip. So, so good. Chase, uh, thank you again for joining us. If there are listeners that want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm a huge LinkedIn user. I think it's a great way to connect with people. So just look me up, Chase Cragen. Um, and I should be, the, I think I'm the only Chase Cragen. So <laughs> good. Well, we'll, we'll drop the link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes too, so people can find it there. But Chase, again, thank you so much for joining and hope you have a great rest of the day. It was my pleasure, Garrett. You too. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.